The Icarus Complex Written, narrated and edited by Lyndon Cole Episode 16 I started working at Blockbusters on Sunday the 2nd of July 2006. Not that the date really matters, but as working there turned out to be my longest stint in one job ever, I suppose it's good to get some perspective. Oh yeah, sorry, did I, um, did I tell you about that job I'm going for at Blockbusters? After handing in my application, I was given an interview which I passed and agreed terms of 25 hours a week at minimum wage which back then was £5 and 8p, with fortnightly pay. Yes. It seemed reasonable enough, and not exactly inundated with job offers. I accepted the job offer straight away, and within a week I'd worked my first shift under the guise and tutelage of two members of staff, who'd been at Blockbusters for years. David Ross, the manager, wasn't there for my first day, as there was a shift rotation policy but he filled me in with everything I needed to know during my very long and exhausting job offering phone call. Hello? Yeah, speaking. Oh, hi, David. Oh, I got a job. When I finally got to work with him a few days later, I quickly realised that he was actually a decent guy. Pushing 5-5, bored, and madly into football, and of course films, David was the most forthright and open manager I'd ever come across. He just didn't stop talking, and that isn't to say I had a problem with it. I just put it down to him wanting to make me as comfortable as possible, and to be fair to him, the way he was towards me from the start ensured that. So many other staff who worked there when I started were pretty odd though. Other than two full-time employees, everyone else studied at UWE, and I found myself scoping them all out once I'd met them. For example, all of the guys epitomised every preconception and stereotype I'd previously had about blockbusters and video shop employees. They were geeky, <laughs> Get a life nerd. unbelievably dorky, <laughs> and able to quote lines from all the latest films and TV shows in mid-conversation without any trouble whatsoever. We shared very little in common so I didn't class any of them as a threat to personality and attention-wise. And in the hunt for new friends, I didn't see myself socialising with any of them outside of work. They just weren't my sort. 
The two other girls, on the other hand, well, where do I start? Let's just say they weren't anything to shout about, nor get excited about either. One was a combination of Welsh and Indian, which I'd never seen in my life. She was of average figure and had a prettyish face that was slightly tarnished by the number of piercings poking out of it. But overall, she was a good sport. We knew how to wind each other up, albeit playfully. To the others, though, we were flirting, but I had no interest in her whatsoever. The other girl, though, wasn't much different, but her and I weren't ever going to win any best friend competitions. If in some alternative universe I had not taken issue with her frumpiness, it would have been her chain smoking. There's nothing worse than working in close proximity with someone who constantly smells like an ashtray. I know that's quite superficial, and although her personal hygiene really got to me, I actually didn't want her at all because she annoyed the shit out of me. When I first met her, I quickly saw she lacked people skills and common sense. And for a student, I found that quite surprising. What's wrong with you? Black culture was a fascination to her, which I suppose was a consequence of hailing from Norwich. But her ignorance held no bounds. <laughs> You're silly, you know. Don't get me wrong, she was never malicious with it. But her shock that I didn't speak gangster or street pretty much cemented a negative impression of her from the off. Oh, okay, so I should be a Roman then, yeah? Nuggets of stupid wisdom would appear at least once or twice during every shift. For example, the fact she felt during a discussion about one of the films in store that gay people have suffered the same prejudice and fight for equal rights as black people, if not worse, showed how moronic she was. And she certainly didn't help herself. Olivia, you're a middle-class white woman. You haven't got a horse in this race. Shut up. The tenancy on my room was due to end, just before I started at Blockbusters. So that meant I had to go through the whole rigmarole of finding somewhere new to live. The whole moving around thing had begun to take its toll. And not living with the same people every year wasn't ideal. Really wish I lived with people that I knew, you know. I'd got on really well with one of my housemates and was given the chance to live with him. But as he went home for the summer, I was stuck around to work and that meant I needed someone that could accommodate me pretty quickly. <sighs> Back on my own again. I spent ages looking for alternative options with no luck and wasn't sure what I was going to do until I struck up a conversation about it with my friend, Alex Bell. There's rooms out there, but it's the right room, do you know what I mean? I'd met Alex through the ex-housemate who punched me, playing football with them both on occasion. And just like my instantaneous relationship with Adam, Alex and I hit it off. You're a decent guy, you know? Soon, Alex stopped asking our mutual acquaintance to play football for his five-a-side team altogether, after hearing what he'd done to me. And I greatly value that gesture. Seriously, man, I, I really appreciate it. Just thank you. It showed solidarity. And for that alone, I would always have the utmost respect for him. Just know if there's anything you need, right? I'm, I'm there for you, right? 25, in his third year at uni, 
and Bristol born and bred. He was a really chilled, laid-back guy. He even took the time to introduce me to his housemates and friends as well, which, knowing my situation, I guess was an attempt to widen my friendship circle. But they were much older than me, and I found connecting with them difficult. Alex, on the other hand, I never had that problem with, though. And sat in his car being driven to football one evening, he offered me a way out of my housing dilemma. Let me speak to my mum. She might be able to help you. Alex said. I laughed. <laughs> what? What, what? What do you mean? I asked. To date, I never met his mum. And I certainly hadn't heard about it before then. Why on earth would his mum want to help an ex-student working a blockbuster who she didn't know? Mum's looking for a lodger for a small box room, but it's affordable and she won't have a problem you living there. Listen, hold on a minute. Alex, I'm not leaving with your mum, man. I scoffed. Just two of us living in the house, yeah? That makes sense. Don't be an idiot and stop being so proud, will you? You need the help and she needs the lodger. Plus, it won't be just you and her. My brother lives there too, so shall I ask her and sort it? I don't know, man. Isn't that a bit weird? The idea was scary. I'd only known Alex for just over six months. And as much as him and I had become really good friends, I wasn't at all comfortable with the idea. But I didn't have any other alternatives. I was conceited. And I didn't necessarily like the idea of being helped out in such a big way. Because it made me feel like a charity case. I understand it was stupid to feel like that. Because really... At £200 a month, rent there would be an absolute steal. I then reluctantly agreed to let him sort it out. Okay, okay, alright, fine, go for it. Not gonna argue you about this, it's, you're doing me a favour, but... Listen man, don't go to any trouble please, yeah? If she can't do it, she can't do it. But either way, I do appreciate the gesture, alright? And then he smiled and said he'd let me know whether she was okay with it. Okay, cool. Um... Let me know then, yeah? The next time I got the chance to go out was to celebrate a housemate's birthday. So a couple of us took her out to the city centre. We met a few of her friends whilst we were out. And considering it had been so long since I'd been to the centre, I actually had a really good time. Oh shit, we're going out out. Come on, man. We ended up in a club called The Works, which was notoriously full of both local people and students on a weekly basis. Let me be clear and say that I had nothing against a local female clientele in Bristol. But we didn't have anything in common. So I always did my utmost best to keep away from them at all opportunities. Mm -mm, sorry, not today. Some of them were loud and quite boisterous and aggressive for women so it meant that talking to them was always a mission and harder than it really needed to be. All right, calm down. Overhearing how Danielle and her mates got rat down South East Park drinking cider all day wasn't at all appealing. And I felt such antics were beneath me. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm not doing it. I wasn't being aloof, but there was no point wasting my time, especially as I didn't want them. And I assumed, moreover, they wouldn't want me. That night, however, was different. 
and I don't really know why. I'd only have to walk past a group of girls, and the large and least favourable would leap out from among them, grabbing my behind, Ooh. as if it were the last hamburger in the world. You're right, eh? If not that, then I'd be stopped and asked ridiculous non-conversation starters, like what the time was, 10pm, or if I was having a good night. Yeah, fine, thanks. And at first it was flattering, but after the fifth or sixth personal space invasion, <sighs> I understood and remembered why I didn't like socialising with local women. Yo, what is wrong with these local women, man? Flipping out. Just leave me alone. By the tenth time, I'd had enough, and then started to walk off mid-conversation. And that was when Rachel Nunn stopped me. Listen, before you say anything, I can't stop, all right? I'm I was about to do the same before she said something that took me completely by surprise. Sorry, you probably get this all the time, but hasn't anyone ever told you you look like Simon Webb? Who? Simon Webb? What, the guy from Peep Show? You know, the black guy from Blue? I looked at her for a second and then burst out laughing. <laughs> What? She had some guts. I look nothing like Simon Webb. In fact, if anything, he looks like me. But her bravery and chat-up line was commendable, so I gave her the time of day. We exchanged some back-and-forward dialogue, mainly contesting my new lookalike status, and soon I'd pretty much forgotten my no-locals rule. I didn't find her at all attractive, and although her body was okay, her face left something to be desired. I remember thinking her nose looked like the melting witches in The Wizard of Oz. Which tickled me so much that I burst out laughing again mid-conversation. <laughs> of course she asked what was so funny, and caught off guard and incapable of quickly thinking of a believable lie. I quickly took up my phone and asked her if she wanted to exchange numbers. Don't worry about it. But listen, do you want to um, give me a number? I don't know what possessed me to do that. And luckily she agreed. Because if she declined, it would have been more than awkward. And I don't think my confidence would have been able to take such a knockback from someone like her. We parted ways, with me relieved, and her marching triumphantly back to her friend waving her phone in the air like a trophy. What's just happened? I can't believe what I've done. Simon Webb? Oh, she's taking the piss. Fuck. Alright, you know what? She was like a leech after that, texting me all the time and wanting to meet up with me doing everything I could to make excuses as to why I couldn't. Yeah, Rachel, I'm not about today. Sorry. They were always plausible, and I wasn't trying to be rude. More like, spare her feelings. After all, it wasn't my fault that I was, in quotes, working all the time, end quote. But it didn't stop her attempting to see me. You can then imagine my surprise to find her and another girl I knew in my living room when I came home from work one afternoon. When I walked in, I couldn't believe what I was looking at. Rachel was sat in my chair, watching the football with my housemates, all of them having a good old laugh. 
<laughs> I mean, seriously, if I didn't know any better, I'd have thought she actually lived there. Uh, sorry, what are you doing here? I asked defiantly, slightly annoyed, as if she'd gone to serious lengths to befriend my friend and infiltrate my house. <laughs> Hello to you too, Liam. She said back. Rachel failed to let me know that although she was a local lass, she was in fact a student as well, studying physiotherapy. And coincidentally, the other girl was her housemate and a friend of my housemate, making us all mutual friends. It was like one big happy family. You see, that was the problem with university. Everyone knew someone who knew someone who knew you. And that's only two degrees. Once I'd gotten over the shock, I cracked open a beer and settled down to watch the football with them, not wanting to be antisocial. It was the least I could do, having made a fool of myself with the SS style interrogation, and I didn't want to cause a scene. That was the summer of the 2006 World Cup in Germany. And as we sat down to watch Germany versus Portugal, which Germany won, by the end of the game, I'd slightly warmed her. That didn't mean all of a sudden I wanted something to happen. It just meant that I could tell she had a decent personality. One that I could tolerate for a period of time without getting bored. Once the game ended, I excused myself and went upstairs to my room to play my computer. And I had only just started my latest league match on Pro Evolution Soccer when there was a knock at my door. Yep. Yes. It's open, come in. Yo, are you secretly the police? Why are you knocking the door like that? What's up? Okay, there's no point building up any suspense here. You know who it was. It'd have been amazing to turn around and say Beyonce or Maya Jammer was at my door. But they weren't. It was Rachel, with the biggest grin on her face. And she asked if she could come in. I didn't even get a chance to say no, or keep her talking in the doorway because then she walked in and closed the door behind her. Oh, all right, come in then. Straight away, I told her to stay where she was. Stay there, please. And not to bother me for a bit, whilst I played, in quotes, an important game, end quote. And I made her sit on the floor and talk to me, whilst I finished it off, because there was no way I was going to stop what I was doing to entertain her. Although I wanted her gone, I couldn't bring myself to tell her to leave. So I sat with my back to her, tapping away, hoping that the game wouldn't end, and wishing that it would somehow go to extra time, prolonging the inevitable. I knew what she wanted, and by continuing to play, she knew I knew. But I guess this only made her more determined. Ooh, did you see that? So close. A bit of sick goal. It was when the game had come to a close, when I'd kept the score level for as long as possible, that I heard Rachel get up, and with my back to her still, 
I assumed I'd won our battle and that she was about to leave me in peace. But instead, I heard her walk over to me. And then she forced her hands down my tracksuit bottoms, grabbing a hold of me. I recalled back in terror. Uh, yo, what the fuck? I clamoured. But before I had a chance to finish what I was saying, she grabbed me again, working away like she was rolling dice and hadn't eaten for a week. Rachel, relax, man. Yeah, okay. I stopped fighting soon after. Just, just please. Oh, fuck's sake. It got to a point where it was too enjoyable to tell her she was a mentalist and seriously invading my personal space. No girl, hideous or otherwise, had pounced on me like that before. And I imagine that sort of behaviour was only reserved for celebrities, serviced by those fame-hungry, and the way she went on was no different. The thing is, though, I didn't mean to sleep with her. Honestly, it just sort of happened. And probably because I had shitty willpower. I'd love to blame it on the two beers I had, but it was during the day, and I can't really say that. As soon as it was done, I instantly felt bad. I'd let myself down, lost my morals, and let my lower half make decisions for me rather than sticking to my convictions. I felt sick, and there was absolutely no way her and I would lie together and cuddle like she wanted. I still didn't have the balls to tell her where to go, so I lied and told her I had friends coming over and that she needed to leave. It sounded genuine enough, and after chit-chatting with her a little bit longer, she left. Uh, what time is it? Oh yeah, they're on their way. Um, talk soon though, yeah? I took a shower the moment she was gone, as if it were possible to wash off the moments of disgust over the past 45 minutes. <laughs> it obviously didn't. Why? And I still felt as bad as I had at the start. Why did I do this? All I could do was think about Sophie and what she would say if she found out. It was, it was horrible, man. My stomach churned. Whoa. I was wracked with guilt. Whoa. And maybe that was because my heart still held a flame for Sophie. Why? I don't know. Why did I do this? Whatever the reason, this whole sexual promiscuity thing I was trying wasn't working. Shell, Portia, Rosa, and Rachel were living proof of that. I was super fond of Sophie, bordering on loving her, I guess. But the attention and how easy it was to get involved with other girls was just as appealing too. A repeat of the Rachel incident and subsequent guilt wasn't tempting enough though. And I made the decision to call the promiscuity a day Okay, you know what? That's it, start over. I owed it to Sophie and to us. And after everything we'd been through, it would have been stupid to let go someone I clearly cared about on account of some sexual gratification. I also figured living with Alex's mum would seriously inhibit my chances of bringing loads of different people back anyway. So moving there would be good for me. 
and it would mean I could finally have some happiness. I just had to stick it out with Sophie and show her that I meant business, which of course would turn out to be famous last 